Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. Joining me as often is Damian Dunn, Director of Personal Financial Strategies at Your Money Line. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. All right, so it is the Halloween edition of the show. Are you feeling spooky? No. Dame, this is how the show works. People send us an email. It's an electronic mail over the internet. Hmm. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. And we will answer your question on this show. It was broadcast on radios, on mobile devices, on computers, uh, really anywhere that you get sounds. Sounds really technologically advanced. Dame, there are three topics we're hitting this week. Three questions. One guy wants to know, can he take his foot off the gas? He feels like an overachiever and he's tired. Next one is a guy who wants to know how to hire a financial advisor because he's skeptical of the entire genre. Okay. The third is a person who wants to understand what advice we give to people who are working adults who may need to uh, both physically and financially support their aging parents. Okay. This is heavy. It is. That is a heavy topic. Uh, let's start with a guy who wants to take his foot off the gas. The subject line to this email says, am I saving too much for retirement? He also put his phone number in this email. His phone number is 617-2. Shouldn't give it. Dear Pete, I can't get a good answer on when enough is enough. Do you have advice on when to determine you have too much and when to scale back to enjoy life a little? I'm in my 30s and max out Roth IRAs and 401ks. And when I calculate out how much I need for retirement, including inflation and the 3% rule, which uh, he's, uh, by the way, talking about distribution there, but there's really nothing called the 3% rule. It's actually called the 4% rule, but everyone has revised it down to 3%, but no one has called it the 3% rule until this person. I come up with about 8 million bucks. Is that what he's saying he's needy? Wait, hold on. Yeah, he says he says he needs a million or 8 million. That's what I estimate is the equivalent of about $140,000 today's income. While I live off of about $30,000 today, I don't like it. I work three jobs. I want to be able to travel and have better cars and stuff when I retire. If I forecast health costs and risk premium and subtract taxes, I come up with $140,000, and that's what I want to, I want to live on. What this means is we live tight keeping our kids out of school events, driving older cars, and working extra jobs. But we are on target to hit $8 million around age 62. I hired a financial planner, and they said I'm doing great, and we need to keep socking away as much as I can. (laughs) But I can't help but feel like 40-plus years of pinching pennies won't be worth it, and maybe $8 million is too much. Any advice is recommended. Oh, I could probably find this person's name. Uh, does it matter? Do you care no, this person's name? I, I think they're going to recognize the situation. Okay. Wow. You were giggling. You were you were not laughing at this person. No. You were laughing at the perspective of the financial advisor. I was laughing at the financial advisor. And why is that, Dame? Uh, well, chances are they're getting uh, compensated based on how much money they might have invested with you. And, well, frankly, the... They do better when you do better might be the, the phrase uh, that you hear bandied about. So the more money you invest with them, the more they're going to make. And if they see somebody just tossing tons of cash into an account, well, 
that's going to benefit them. All right. So this is a really important point, and I'm really glad you brought it up. And I think we should go down this road for a little bit. Because uh, even a fee-based financial advisor who is uh, said to be a self-claimed most ethical type of financial advisor you can be because you only get paid based on the money that you manage and not your recommendations themselves, there are flaws in that model. And one of those flaws is that if someone shouldn't be working three jobs and not allowing their kids to go to school activities and things, that you may be influenced to encourage them to continue on that behavior because you keep getting compensated all under the guise of, well, they're better off for it. But the operative question here, Dame, being asked by the emailer is, is he really better off for it? Man, I don't think so. I mean, there's there's a whole lot more to life than just retirement. Yeah. And especially if you've got a family and kids. I mean, if you were single and really didn't, you know, this was a desire and a goal of yours was just to work as hard as you can and, and throw money into a, a account or a retirement account. Um, okay. I honestly, I really thought this email was going to go towards, um, uh, the fire d- direction. It felt like it was heading that direction, but it didn't and Fina- financial independence, retire early. Yeah. And so when he said, you know, he was still going to retire in his sixties, man, that's a long time. You will burn out between now and then. I think, yeah, th- this is a tough one. I almost actually want to actually talk to this person. Yeah, uh, I- I'm going to email this person back because this is tough. Because this is a whole shift in thinking. Um, and he he said we didn't he, buddy? I think so. Wonder what his significant other thinks. Because mm. for one person to hold this very unique perspective. What's the other person think? And what are the chances that two people hold this exact same unique perspective? Man, there's all, there's all sorts of stuff to peel away here. I mean, th- three jobs. Three jobs, and they're living on 30 grand. How? how I could much? reverse engineer the math to see what their total income is, but I don't really want to do that. How much time are they see spending at home? In... There's just all sorts of stuff that could go here. I the short answer, take the foot off the gas. The yeah. I take the I take the foot off the gas too. I mean, I've projected what I need to retire, but I view mine a little differently. I view mine as not about nicer cars and, and this or that. I, I view it about continuing my current lifestyle that has already taken into consideration that I want longevity built in. What this person has done is, is, you know, we have a, a, a motto around here, actually a tagline for our business, make tomorrow easier. And this person has taken it to an absolute extreme. Like they are suffering. They're martyring their financial life to 30 years from now, exhale. I, I think, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think that's a recipe for disaster. Their, their life is filled with unnecessary stress right now 100 percent i i'm i'm calling this person i'm just telling you i'm going to call them after the show today um there's no way this isn't putting stress on the on the marriage oh i yeah i don't see how there's not i also want to know what this person's parents went through mm-hmm. and what did this person see that scared the bejesus out of them, yep. that, that has given them this perspective. And 
I, I hope this person, if they are listening, and Dame, I hope anyone listening understands that we are not in any way trying to uh, be disrespectful to this perspective. We're trying to help a brother out and be like, man, you are missing life with this perspective. Very much. I, I love math. I mean, you know me and mm-hmm. math are like, yeah, what's up, boy? Yeah, yeah, you. I'm surprised you didn't come as a spreadsheet today. I know. Yeah, Halloween costume with spreadsheet. Uh, I didn't. I love math. I love spreadsheets. But this is an extreme. I don't like this situation for this person. And that's not a judgment. It's an observation, which, by the way, that is my go-to these days. I just say you it's just not say a it's, judgment. It's, it's an observation. <laughs> yeah, I was so like, I'm work? not judging you. This is just an observation. Does that work with Mrs. Planner? I, well, I don't use that one on her. Oh, okay. I only use that one at work. Has it worked on you? Not yet. Okay. Uh, all right. So I'm, I'm, I think this might be a first. Mm, I, maybe I think I've called someone actually based on an email before. But we'll be calling this person. How about you and I both at the same time? Yeah, Intervention? Yeah, yeah, inter- <laughs> hey, stop what you're doing. Light some candles and let's chat. That's funny. All right, Dame. Coming up after the break... Uh, Going to go a little different direction. A guy who's done a, a really well, uh, managed his own money, he's paying very low fees, and he's very skeptical of the need of a financial advisor. Not only that, he doesn't want anyone to manage his money. He just wants him to, to needs help with financial planning. So we're going to discuss what to do, what questions you ask prospective financial advisors, and so much more. Then, Dame, a caregiver question. All that's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, uh, that was a heavy segment, that first one. There were all sorts of layers to that one. Financial, personal. It was life coach Pete the Planner right there. I uh, felt like it. All right, Dame, we got another one here. If you want to email us, by the way, not you, because you could just slack me. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. This one is from a person who says, in the very bottom, I'm going to read the side note first, which would make it the primary note. If you were to choose this email for one of your blogs or articles, I'm totally fine with that. Just please make up a fake name for me. I don't consent to my real name being used. Okay. All right. I feels a little bit like a threat. It just sounds like somebody who's being overly cautious about their situation. What if I just change one letter of the person's name? <laughs> just to, No, you know what? Here's what we'll do. Just We're going to call this person Mitt. Okay. Because there's only one other Mitt. And it's true. I figure so this there's no way. So this is not Mitt, but it's Mitt. Yeah, there is only one other Mitt. Pete, I read your material and love it. Wait, I read it. I don't know. It's one of those words that can go either way. Mm, it's it context is. contextual. First in the Indie Star, before they no longer ran your article and eliminated their entire business section and made their paper really thin, despite the fact that they're owned by USA Today, which you still write in. And it's still distributed to many of their papers. I feel like you ad-libbed some of that. A little bit. Uh, and now I'm an IBJ subscriber because you're right there. Wow. Big fan. I'm in my mid-30s and we're doing well for ourselves. We're doing well. I love that. <laughs> I do love that. I love when people say that. I really, how are we doing? We're doing pretty Boy, well. Oh, <laughs> like wow. they bring it down. Let's, let's do that. Okay, I'm going to ask you and I want you to really express just in tone how well you're doing. How are things going? We're doing well. 
<laughs> Can I do it? Yeah. All right, hold on. I got to get ready. Okay, ready? Hold on. I'm not ready. I'm laughing too long. <laughs> okay, hold on. Go ahead. How, Pete, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do it one more time. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. All right. All right. <clears throat> Pete, how you doing? Oh, man. Yeah, we are... Uh, we're doing well. <laughs> anyway, uh, up to this point, I've managed all of my money myself. For example, I have numerous mutual funds set up on Vanguard. I'm extremely comfortable and relatively competent at doing this myself. However, I'm getting to the point, uh, th- uh, though as my funds continue to grow, I feel as though I should get a financial advisor. Up until this point, I've been very against that as I felt I could do just as good of a job myself without needing to pay someone else. And I'm very protective of anyone seeing or touching my money. It's held in street name, but that's neither here nor there. Any advice on how to search for the right financial advisor? What kinds of questions do you ask? What to look out for or avoid? And where do you even begin searching for someone without blindly Googling somebody? Thanks in advance. Uh, Mitt. Mitt. Where to begin here? I I would just like to say there are a lot of really competent, that's my mic arm, DIY investors who do a great job for themselves. Absolutely. It is possible. You just have to recognize what you're capable of and uh, your inclinations if if things start to go sideways. A lot of the people that I hear say, you know, we're doing well and they're in their early 30s. They've never really known a time when things aren't well. That's true. Yeah, the market, as far as this person's age would suggest, they started their career in a bad market, but then immediately turned to one of the longest bull markets of all time. Yeah. So they were buying when things were cheap and things were very, very affordable. And if they lost, it was, you know, it wasn't a, a ton because they didn't have a lot of money. They weren't putting a lot of money in there to start with. Then things took off. Things have been doing great. How are you going to react the next time the market drops 20 30%? Well, not only that. And, and by the way, it, it's not that he should proactively make moves, not necessarily to, to change that. It's that once it's happened, and you, and you appropriately in many times did nothing you held mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. what do you do when it gets so bad that you you're just so unfamiliar with the feeling that even though you've done the right thing you can instantly ruin all of that with some sort of harebrained strategy mm-hmm. to get your money back yeah and i will tell you and I, i'm sure you will agree with this that is one of the biggest values a financial advisor offers their clients is to keep them from shooting themselves in the foot by making what feels like the emotionally correct decision, but is possibly the absolute worst thing you could do for yourself and your future financially. Totally. The, the other side of that too, the, the, uh, of what you're going to do when the first bear market comes, is this person knows his financial life very well, which is great. I love an in-tune investor. Love it. But he's never seen another financial life and, and, and you might think, oh, well, what's it really matter? He only needs to understand his. I think the more financial lives a person has seen, the more perspective it gives them on their own. And that is why another sort of abstract reason I think a financial advisor makes sense is because they can take their wealth of knowledge 
from different situations, diverse situations, and apply it back to your life. Absolutely. Lean on somebody else who's got a wealth of experience helping other people achieve their goals and their, you know, their, their desires, and let them um, tweak what you've got going on. This is where I always come back to. The, the, if I could restructure what it is to pay someone in the financial industry to look at my investments, I would do it on an hourly basis. Mm-hmm. But that's so rare. It's so hard to find someone that's like, all right, I'm 350 bucks an hour. I'm going to study your portfolio for an hour. Send me a check for 350 bucks. You should be good for a few years. Sure. I, there are, there, like I said, there are few and far between. There are people who uh, will charge hourly. There are people who will charge on a project basis. So if you wanted a financial plan, if, if this is MIT, Mitt. If Mitt wants to uh, get a, a good snapshot of where he's at currently and where that's leading him, you can find a financial planner who's going to sit down for a you know maybe a 10-hour period to study what he's got, put a financial plan together, and then present it to him. And then when it's over with, the relationship is effectively over. You can go and do whatever you want, still manage your money, and you have all the suggestions and data that comes from that that process. He basically needs someone to walk around the car, so to speak, see what's wrong with it, look for dents, look for scratches, look mm-hmm. for problems, and then and go from there. I, I would argue he doesn't even need an investment advisor uh, other than he probably needs some sort of investment mind just to see if everything's right, which shouldn't take too long. But he could use a financial planner, like you mm-hmm. said, where that is projections, mm-hmm. income planning, and then, you know, look at protection products like life insurance and all of that. But anyone who's done it themselves and they go and meet with a financial advisor, it just occurred to me that we're not even coming close to answering this person's question. So this has now become a two-segment. Two, two the other thing is when a financial planner, when a person like this goes to a financial planner for the first time, they are going to be reluctant to follow the advice of the financial advisor because it's going to feel very strange because a financial advisor might look at this person's perfectly crafted situation, yet this person may not have life insurance or disability insurance or may need an estate plan. And the financial advisor may deliver that advice to this person, and that person may not be uh, very receptive of that. Yeah, I, you've, you've spent a lot of time uh, building this yourself, and you've probably done some research, and you feel really comfortable with what's going on. Who is this professional to tell me what I should be doing differently? Yeah, and again... Just like the last segment, admit we're not being critical of you. We're just, we've seen this situation so many times that we know where it can go wrong. And the wrong happens when you do what you should do and get an advisor involved. And then how you deal with that because of what your experience has been over the last, you know, 12 to 15 years is where it gets a little hairy. So coming back after the break, we're actually going to answer your question, Mitt. That's what we're going to do. We're going to say, how do you find an advisor? What questions do you ask them? And so much more. You're listening to the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Uh, Two-part segment here, Dame. Sometimes we do it. The questions are so intense and... Our answers are so comprehensive. We need two segments. The question basically was about uh, from a guy named Mitt Mittens hmm. that he uh, had managed his own portfolio for the last 12 to 15 years as a mid-30-something, and he doesn't see necessarily the value 
of having a professional advisor involved in a situation, but he's feeling some sort of cosmic pressure and inclination to bring an advisor into the mix. And he wants to know what questions do you ask? How do you find someone? So Dame, we get this question a lot at your money line and we answer it. And one of the documents we provide people uh, involves the following questions. You can ask a financial advisor, the other things you look for. So take it away, Dame. All right. So first of all, we encourage you to interview you know, two or three financial advisors before you settle on just one. So um, it'll be a, a bit of a process, but you're going to be better off for it. So if you've got a common list of questions that you want to ask, uh, write them down and then just take notes as, as you're getting answers. Now, it's very important to point out some financial advisors don't actually like this. Sure. And so I, I am a full disclosure sort of person. So I would prefer that when you do this, you let them know that you're interviewing financial advisors to be your person. Um, and if they don't want to participate in that process, then that's fine. Um, that's on them. And maybe that tells you something about wanting to work with them yeah. or not. Yeah. So, uh, and tell them this before you meet. You know, as you're emailing them or getting them on the phone, tell them that then prior to the meeting so they can make the decision. Don't spring that on a person during a meeting. Yeah. All right. Um, first question. <clears throat> Have you helped other clients in a situation similar to mine? In, in, in this situation, Mitt, it is a person who has managed their own portfolio their entire career who is skeptical. Mm -hmm. That's your situation. Your situation isn't necessarily your income in, in this particular situation. Dame, I think in most situations, it's your, your demographic information, sure. your, your age, your income, your family structure. But in, in something like this, I think it's really the emotional and psychological uh, baggage, if you will. Yeah, a bunch of advisors are going to, whether they realize it or not, specialize in people who are either in retirement or near retirement because, well, that's just how they've got their business set up. It's where the money is. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's where the money is. And uh, this is uh, this has got some, some other dimension to it. So, uh, yeah, I make sure that they are comfortable or have worked with somebody in your situation. Number two. Number two, Dame number two. How do you get paid? Yes. Yeah, that's my favorite question. And I always think a per, an advisor should be able to say it pretty clearly, and you should have your answer in about two sentences. If you don't have your answer in two sentences, if the person stammers, if the person deflects, run. Yeah. Uh, number three, what services are included for the fees I'm being charged? Yeah, that's really good too. Because sometimes... You know, you'll it's like, oh, well, do I get a financial plan when you manage my money for, for you know, is the financial plan complimentary? Mm -hmm. um, but maybe you don't want the person to manage your money. You just want the financial plan. So how much does the plan cost? Right. That's super important. A lot of wealth managers will throw in the financial plan if you, if they manage your money. Uh, and that's typically meaning that you're paying them about 75 basis points or 0.75% of what they're managing every year. So Dame, if I have $1 million under management, how much am I paying someone to manage that? $750,000. No, <laughs> You're paying, he's kidding, of course. 7,500 bucks yeah. for the year is what you would pay someone to manage a million dollars if they were charging you 75 basis points. Next, uh, number... do you have a Halloween pocket square? Am I just figuring this out today? It's orange. 
It looks a little spooky. Well, that's... This is Halloween. This my kids listen to that all night when I'm we're doing the sure pumpkins last is. night. Did you guys carve pumpkins? Oh, we painted pumpkins. Oh, that seems really caramel for a person who doesn't live in caramel. Oh, I, you've rubbed it off on me. I rub it. <laughs> rub it. <laughs> oh boy. Rub it. Yeah. And I call HR. Go up. Yeah. Uh, uh, number four. How much access do I have to you? Hmm. Yeah. You know, this is also good for the financial advisor that you asked this question because they may see how high maintenance you might be sure. and whether they're comfortable with that. Yeah. It's, you might as well get it out there. Some people are comfortable seeing their financial advisor once a year. Some people are going to want to see their, uh, I'm sure you remember this as a, uh, a form of financial advisor. They want to see you every month and talk to you uh, in between those visits too. All right. So here's the thing. Can we have real talk? Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> we need we need the music again. <laughs> here's some real talk. As a former financial advisor who was, of course, removed from the industry because of a Ponzi scheme, I, <clears throat> it's not true. As a former financial advisor, there's this thing where you want to tell clients, I will be in regular contact with you. And, and you do it. And then three years into the relationship, you realize there's nothing to talk about. And it's not even about small talk or it's just like, hey, based on our strategy, everything's the same. Everybody's like, what was that noise? <laughs> it was, Did a cat? It was, it was my square. <laughs> <You're full. laughs> it was incredible. It surprised you. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, there's nothing to talk about. And so then it's much harder to regularly contact these people. Even if you're checking in on their life, it just gets weird. So there is no perfect frequency to talk to a client or a slash advisor. It's, I think it evolves. Do you you feel differently? Yeah, there are some clients that are just going to require more attention than others, both because because it's the right thing to do. Um, I've seen some advisors that set out actually two years worth of contacts ahead of time and what and, yeah and and what it's going to consist of so like uh this quarter we're going to talk about uh the, the tax issues that well, you that's kind of so smart in, but... in a, in the next quarter we're going to talk about the investments and then we're going to talk about benefit planning in the fourth quarter and all sorts of so there are you know depending on how the advisor wants to structure their their business it could come with a more high touch program um, but there are a lot of advisors out there who do fantastic jobs that you'll hear from once or twice a year. How many questions do we have left here? Uh, too many, so we're just going to hit some important ones. All right, we got two minutes left. You pick your faves. Uh, what does fiduciary mean to you, and are you one? Yeah, so go ahead. So fiduciary, fancy word for an advisor that is um, bound to look out for your best interest first and foremost, doesn't matter how they get paid, um, doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it, you are important. You're the most important thing. Okay, so can we have a slightly uncomfortable conversation again? Sure. <laughs> what are you going to say? It, no? It, no, yeah, I'm out. Um, I have to say, I, of course, appreciate the fiduciary standard. What is troublesome about it to me is that there are advisors who are not fiduciaries that are just as good as any other advisor. It's just where they work and where they are in their career. The lack of fiduciary status uh, is not possible. And so in suggesting this question, which I suggest because I helped write it, uh, it, it is a little tough because you're, you're essentially saying if you if you are really not a fiduciary, it's, fiduciary is not a state of mind, buddy. Fiduciary <laughs> yeah. is something. Yeah. And if you're not one, 
I mean, we're kind of suggesting that, that it may not be a good fit. Or what we might be suggesting is if they aren't a fiduciary, is the story why makes sense to you? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. We have one one minute left, one okay. question left. Uh, Hit I'm, it. I'm Pick gonna, your best one. Uh, how do I evaluate your effectiveness? Oh, that is the great question. I wrote this. You did. I wrote all these. Um, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. I might have. Probably didn't. Um, I don't, look, that's a great one. Because you're going to the advisor and say, look, you get to move the goalpost to where you want them to be at the beginning of our relationship. How am I supposed to know you're doing a good job? And if, again, if this is one they fumble and stammer and dodge and deflect, peace out. Go to the next one. Because this is a beautiful question. Yep, there will be stumbling on this one. I can just about guarantee it. I kind of want to listen to all the stumbling. <laughs> you know what we should do is call some of my advisor friends on the air next week and just ask them that stone cold and listen to them stumble. <laughs> and then give their names and phone numbers. All right, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and current events. Current as in uh, current. I'm Pete the Planner. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is every weekday we have what's called the BWOM, B-W-O-M, biggest waste of money of the week. It is one product or service or thing you can buy that is a tremendous waste of money. This week I've got two for you, Dame. One is food related and one is technology related. Which one would you like first? I, I want to hear food. I'm starving. Yes. The break-in turkey. This Thanksgiving, Kingbird at the Watergate Hotel is playing around with the property's infamous past. Dubbed the Break-In Turkey, this chef, Sebastian Gianni, special involves a turkey roulade that's stuffed with black truffle mousseline and aromatized with Japanese Suntory whiskey. It's then cooked a la plancha to color the skin before being stuffed inside a modified 750 milliliter whiskey bottle and steamed for a little over an hour. The result is an incredibly tender, flavorful dish that invites diners to break in to the bottle to enjoy. The dish serves between two and four people and will be available from November 25th to the 28th at dinner only, and it is 129 Dame, can you see the visual here? There is a turkey roll stuffed in a bottle. It's, it's, it's just a turkey roll inside a bottle? Yeah, and now look, what I'm going to say here is you break into it, and then you've got glass in your food. Yeah, that but, was... the, but you know it's not real glass. They, they can't possibly expect you to break open something and then eat glass shards. Like that sugar bottle or sugar glass type stuff? Yeah, that... the dude perfect always uses. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? Okay, look, I love food. I love food like this, but this is stupid. It's $129 for a turkey? It's not even a turkey. It's The turkey better be able to do taxes for 129 bucks. So I'm saying. Uh, next up, the silent, silent pocket Faraday cases. Private protection, pardon me, privacy protection. Private protection <laughs> is really in youth sports. 
Privacy protection is becoming an increasing concern in these days of smartphones tracking and snooping. These soft device sleeves can make sure your data stays secure during travel. The exteriors are made from black waterproof nylon to protect against the elements, while a patented integrated radio frequency Faraday cage blocks all incoming and outgoing wireless signals, including cellular, Wi-Fi, GPS, Bluetooth, NFC, EMR radiation, and RFID. Available in various sizes for phones, tablets, and laptops, each one also features an external non-shielded pocket for nine secure items. They start at 60 bucks. They could have used these in the skiff in Congress last week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I don't know. Are you that concerned about what's people like tapping into the signals of your phone while you're traveling, going to all these fancy hotels with irons filled with distilled water? Is that something that interests you? I, I probably really shouldn't say because I'm sure somebody's listening that, that could make my life horrible. You know, that is a good point. You ever think that, like you take a hot, you have a hot, take or a stance on something and you're just asking for it since i have no desire to run for political office at any point in the future i'm um i'm not as concerned about it as i used to be i'm always afraid to like have a hot take about the irs yeah you know it's like oh you're just yeah i will never never disparage i though the men and women of the irs do a great job i think most of them do a very good job all of them do okay all of them do Damien Dunn said most. Peter Dunn, no relation, said all. Sally May launches credit cards aimed at student loan borrowers. Student loan lender Sally May is offering three new credit cards geared toward college students and recent graduates. As with any card, it's important to read the fine print. Dame, I'm this, come on. Really? Apparently. I... The Accelerate card comes with 1.25% cash back on all purchases, plus an extra incentive for student loan borrowers, a 25% bonus on cash back rewards that are used to pay down any federal or private student loans. With Ignite, another one of their cards, cardholders earn 1% back on purchases and a 25% bonus on cash back rewards after making six consecutive on-time payments. Uh, the spokesperson for Sally May, Rick Castellano, the, says the goal is not to increase debt, but to establish credit and do so responsibly. Dame, having a student loan establishes credit. Yep, we uh, stat- we uh, we confirmed that. I believe it was last week. What in the world? This makes no sense. I I'd like to say I have no idea what they're thinking here, but I think I know what they're thinking here. Of course, you know what they're thinking. They're just going to continue to loan money to the same group of people who are trying to get out of debt and then form a long-term relationship that extends beyond the initial borrowing process. Yeah, I. this just makes me feel icky. You know, I think as you, as you go to the marketing meeting in your mind that, that was this product, this pitch meeting, it reminds me a lot of store credit cards. Where stores were like, okay, look, our sales are okay, but wouldn't it be better if we could sell things to people who can't buy us right now? And so let's lend, lend, lend them the money to buy our things and then pay them back. To, to me, it's the same concept. Sure. And by the way, I'm not necessarily saying that is an evil concept, but this really seems rooted in some pretty gross stuff. 
Yeah, I. It's just, it's a horrible situation. I mean, they're already on the hook. They're struggling to get by financially, and then they're gonna say they're gonna say they're swooping in here, as knights on white horses, saying, you know, here we're gonna help you out with that, and by the way, we'll give you a bonus on the cash back that you get if you use it wisely to pay down your student loans. Dame at the Thanksgiving table. Would you rather talk about, you have to tell me in what order you want to talk about these topics. Are you ready? Yep. Politics, religion, health issues, money, or... <clears throat> That's a lot of topics. Okay, so I'm going to go, and you have to go in order. You have to tell me which ones you're the most comfortable talking about at your Thanksgiving table with your extended family. My Thanksgiving table? Yeah. Okay. Politics, religion... Health issues, money, or <clears throat> the last one's the least. Okay, okay, that's fair. Everything else is fair game because we're all pretty much on the same page. Okay, okay, interesting, interesting. So, uh, I, I put the question to you, dear listener: politics, religion, health issues, money, or <clears throat> I'd be a little nervous if someone answered. <clears throat> That would be a bit awkward, wouldn't it? It'd be a weird a lot of Who the, would say yes? I don't know. Or who would say that's the I feel like the wishbones involved? <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, everybody. Uh, I, okay, here I'm gonna go through mine. I don't I don't talk about money. I, I just outside of here, mm -hmm. like I, I talk about money all the time. I just like I'm done. Sure. And here's the other aspect of my life. I'm like a priest when I'm not here. People just see this money collar on me and they want to confess their financial sins to me yeah. all the time, and which is great. I love it. But when I'm with my family, I don't want to talk about money. So that's not happening. <clears throat> maybe a joke here or there, but uh, <laughs> maybe that's it. Uh, health issues. Oh, man. You know, I get, I'm very immature, Dame. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I don't like, I can't handle uncomfortable talks about health issues because um, it just makes me sad. And I just don't, I don't want to do that. Religion, sure. I don't mind religion. I, I don't even care if anyone completely disagrees with me. I don't feel like I have to be right. I just, I don't mind that topic at all. Sure. Politics, I think most of my family agrees. But just like, what's the point? Why talk about that on Thanksgiving, on the day where you just want to be thankful? Well, sure. I'm, plus, I figure if there's a big enough fight, they'll leave my house anyway, so it'll get me get me some peace and quiet earlier. Mm, peace and quiet. Mm. You nice. see, it was like yeah, a food I, joke. I, 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 gotcha. I mean, I a food you, joke out I of it. Because like peas, and then there's peace and quiet. And I, I said peas and quiet. That's all we have time for on this week's show. So any good vibes, because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. If you want to be on this show, you can't. But your email can ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Good day.